2: as they debate the merits of the great American radio show that have been missing for far too long. On that night, an idea was born. That idea became the FDH Lounge.
0: Welcome to the FDH Lounge. Hello everyone, welcome to FDH Lounge mini episode 1503. This is one of the two FDH Lounge original dignitaries you have here today. Rick Morris along with Chris Galloway, We're going through, we're taking a look at uh, one of the most examined teams in the NFL this season here, a perennial object of public fascination, the Cleveland Browns, uh, as always for reasons good, bad, and ugly, and uh, the Browns, as we are taping this uh, here, we are just on the heels of getting the news about Deshaun Watson's six-game suspension for the season, so we covered our thoughts on the offense in the previous mini-episode 1502 for Chris's and my thoughts on the Watson deal as a whole and our very divergent opinions go back to many episodes, 1459 and 1460 from this past spring. Uh, as we are looking at uh, this roster here and uh, dissecting it up and down the line, uh, let's take a look here also, uh, Chris, uh, we, we hadn't done uh, special teams yet. So let's lump that in with the, uh, Defense. So uh, the revolving door at punter kind of sticks around here as well, and also at kicker. Albeit with the drafting of Cade York, I think the Browns do have reason to feel optimistic that they have somebody who can stick around for the long term.
2: Yeah, I, I, you know, you and I were probably the couple of the rare guys that were. I mean, I'm not rare. There were enough. That were happy with the draft pick of him in fourth round. Right, I know that historically, if people are like, "You don't draft a kicker, or you pick him in the seventh round." Well, you know, based on how the Browns have been since they let Dawson go, yep. You know, you and I can determine, think about how many games they've cost themselves with poor kicking. Mm-hmm. And and for some reason, I don't understand why fans downplay the position when when we know there have been games that have been cost. Cost us games because of the poor performance. Right. Whereas the Ravens have benefited from excellent field goal kicking. Right. Um, so I, I think to me it's it's clear that it matters. Um, so I had no issue with the Browns going. We identify him as the best guy out there coming out of college, and and we're going to go get him. And we're not going to risk getting cute and trying to get him around later or later in the round. We're just going to take him. Because we need this position. Look, we've seen the kick kick. He's got the leg. Right. He can hit from 60, 65. There's no issue there. We've seen in college, nerves of steel, kicking a game-winning 55, 60-yard field goal in the fog in the swamp.
1: Right? did not right. even see the uprights. He just kicked to where he was pretty sure they were. Right. So, so far, I like
2: the kids. I mean, There's no doubt denying his leg, so that's not a question. Um, and you and I both know, it, it, for kicking, it really comes down between the ears. He does not lack for confidence. I, I, I think we're going to be in good shape. And I predict he's going to win us a game this year and, and settle this debate whether or not they should have picked him uh, in the fourth round or not. I, I, think, I think we're going to be in good hands for uh, a decade with Cade with York. I, I, I want to believe, um, based on his track record as a college player, there's no reason to believe that he can't handle the pressure and and, and, and hit and hit big kicks because he's done it.
0: Yeah, I would agree. And for the people that were bitching about it, uh, again, that's the whole kind of unwashed masses fan kind of a thing because these are the same people that were crying about the Browns' putrid field goal kicking a year ago. And, again, you, you have to make an investment uh, in a player like that. Uh, you generally only get one or two players per draft that are worth that level of investment. And uh, the Browns were the only team, when I was going through doing our team needs assessment for Pro Football Draftology 2022, they were the only team that I listed as really needing a field goal kicker, because there are some other teams around the league that maybe could use an upgraded kicker, but it it wasn't going to make that big of a difference to them. I mean, you know, a team like, let's say, Jacksonville, okay, how much is it going to change their bottom line, whether they've got a great kicker or not? But the Browns really needed an upgrade. Uh, as a team that was on the playoff bubble a year ago, and maybe, again, this year, depending on what happens. So you've got, uh, again, uh, turnover uh, at punter as well here. So at both kicker and punter, you've got a new guy coming in.
2: Yeah, you've got, uh, what is it, Bajorquez? Bo- I don't even know how to pronounce
0: yes, it. Yes, I was going to make you go uh, first on that. <laughs> but I, I just, you know, I, I don't know a lot about him. I know that in 21 he averaged 46.5. Yards a punt—that's pretty good. Yep. Um, It certainly was
2: better than what we got last year out of the hammer, Uh who ended up being a disappointment. Right. Uh, I I think for the following two years, we watched the Scottish hammer in the off season work on getting big shoulders and big arms and getting you know looking like he's ready to play rugby. And as I kept saying through the whole thing, um, don't you make your money on your leg? Right. Why are we worried so much about our upper body getting all? getting all full, I didn't get it, and I think it cost him a job, so, you know, look, the one thing I think is kickers are hugely important, punters are huge just from a field standpoint, um, but they are typically dime-a-dozen-y kind of guys, by and large, unless you have some real, you know, unless you have one of the top two or three punters, they're all pretty much middling, and I think, honestly, that's what That's this kid. His first name is Corey. I think that's what he is. Yes. Uh, um, He's in his fifth season. He's been average to just above average. Last year was actually a pretty decent year for him. And and so, um, you know, let's just see what we got. And if we don't like what we got, we'll 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 go find another one off the waiver wire, right? Right. You know. And then, as far as the rest of special teams, look, Charlie Hewlett. He's going to be the long snapper. Steady Eddie. No worries there. And, you know, we, we signed Jakeem Grant, who we talked about in the last episode about wide receiver slot stuff. Um, he's going to handle all the return duties. Yep. He's going to be our frontline return guy, you know, speedster, small guy, you know, so he fits that role. He can be dangerous at times with the ball. I thought, you know, we tried last year with guys like
1: Felton, but it just didn't really work. Right. So I, I thought they were smart to go out and get a guy who, you know when he was with Miami, and was he with Chicago prior to Miami? I think so.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So he has shown, you know, the ability to be a burner, the ability to take it, uh, to take it the other way, um, and 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 to not fumble the ball. So that's what you're looking for. Um, so I, I thought that was a good under the radar signing that that really helps them um, in an area where they also struggled last year in, in in that in terms of who their kick and punt returners. Uh, and how they were performing. So that's an upgrade. Uh, kicker is no doubt an upgrade. Punter's probably a slight upgrade. And, um, you know, long snapper remains, you know, steady Eddie and, and Charlie Hewitt. So, uh, you know, I think overall they improved their special teams uh, roster.
0: Well, and looking at the Scottish Hammer last year at Punter, I think a couple of letter-kenny aficionados like me and you uh, would understand. Jonesy and Riley should have been in that guy's ear. Don't skip leg day. Yeah, exactly.
2: <laughs> and, and Why cool. are we so worried about how huge you're getting on the top half? Yeah, when you're making your money on the bottom half. That's right. Like you know, I mean, listen. And I think he's a good kid. I think it's cool that he was living in Tremont and he liked to go to the pubs after the games. Mm-hmm. You
1: know, that's all well and good, right? It's, yeah. it's fun. But it's like. Dude, we need better performance. And let's be honest, he shit the bed in that Kansas City game. So <laughs> oh my god! Right he, out of the
2: gate, he yeah, cost us. You know that absolutely critical week one matchup. So, yeah, uh, I think I think the number his number was up after that game.
0: Frankly, well, yeah, and he was probably a lot more a lot less popular in the gentrified bars of Tremont after uh, that game, and as the season went along here, so. Uh, yeah, it was, he was probably a lot more a fun guy to drink with when things were going well. But uh, be that as it may, uh, yeah, uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. It should be an upgrade at punter just because, uh, again, uh, the hammer was uh, subpar for much of last year. Certainly an upgrade at kicker with the investment that was made there. So that's what it looks like special teams-wise. Defensively here, as we look in the trenches, no qualms whatsoever about the bookends, and uh, you you could make an argument one you know well any any pairing I guess with Garrett I mean automatically is probably going to be in the mention for best pair of bookends in the league. But uh, you got Clowney on the other side who came in and did fine last year. Fortunately, Clowney also has the capacity to play in the middle because that's where, as you look at the defense and as you look at some of the question marks here defensively, what they can pull together. Jordan Elliott, Taven uh, Bryan, uh, inside here you've, you've got Perrion Winfrey, uh, Tommy Togai, and uh, Sheldon Day sort of looming kind of right between them. Uh, this is, I think, similar to what we said a year ago where we were kind of like, they just need two of these guys. And last year it seemed like on paper they had even more bodies that were uh, potentially uh, you know, able to fill those spots there. Uh, But, again, we're we're still kind of looking a year later here to see what's going to happen, what's going to materialize. If the inside of this line, uh, again, it's not going to be as great as the outside of it. That's an unfair standard. But if it can just be, I mean, middle of the pack uh, league-wise, then this front four is really going to make a ton of noise this year. Well,
2: I mean, to your point, our our bookends are, uh, we're in great shape there. Again, stay healthy, Clowney, and we're in great shape. Right. Um, The issue, I mean, look, the tackles are no doubt they're our wide receiver group of the defense. Yes. Um, They're they're light on quality and a lot of question marks there. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, Taven Bryan was a first-round draft pick who's never lived up. We got him cheap on a one-year deal. I expect him to start at right tackle. I would expect Jordan Elliott to start at left tackle. And then obviously with Togi and Winfrey backing them up with Sheldon Day in the next to your point, there were times last year when Sheldon Day was played great, yeah, uh, in some games. And then there were games where he was kind of gone, disappeared. So I, I don't, I, I view this. I, I don't think you're going to get average tackle play. I think unfortunately you're probably looking at slightly below average tackle play,
1: unless they go out and they get a. Guy like Richardson or Sue or
2: and not that those guys are going to be difference makers at this point in their career. Fans have got to get off the idea. They got to get off the names where they're pounding the tables saying, sign Sue, sign you know Richardson again. These guys are they're just veteran guys that you could plug in. That you may get one really good game out of them in the year, but they're there for leadership. They're there, you know. Sue's there to be a one or two down guy. He's not going to play a ton of snaps. He's going to play thirty-five percent of snaps at best, you know. But again, those are the kind of guys that are still out there that maybe you can get an experienced guy at late if you need be. And the same thing with on on your edge guys, you know, don't count out McKinley coming back either. Right? You know, he's he is healing up from his surgery. Um, he's talking to teams. The Browns are one of them. Uh, it does seem like they might be interested in bringing him back again to put him in the rotation, uh, because after those guys, you, you've got some question marks. You got the rookie Isaiah Thomas. You traded for Chase Winovich, who actually I think that was a good trade for both teams. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think a fresh start for
1: Matt Wilson in New England and Winovich getting getting to Cleveland to play edge again versus trying to play a linebacker. We, you know, we're
2: not playing him, you know, in, in a traditional linebacker role. He's an edge guy. right? So I think that's one of those rare trades that just kind of made sense for both players and both teams. Like, okay, let us I'll give you your underperforming guy. I'll take your underperforming guy. and let Maybe it works for both of us. You know, and then we've got this uh, Stephen Weatherly who was with the Vikings. That's another guy behind Clowney. And the rookie, Alex Wright, who I, I think they're excited about, but he's raw, inexperienced, don't expect much out of him this year, right, out of UAB. Yeah. Uh, um, I, I Curtis Weaver with,
1: from Boise State still still clinging to the NFL. He, he's
2: got to do something this year or his career will be over by next year.
0: And, and unfortunately, he hasn't shown us much in this league. He has not. So to, your, so to your point, I mean... They they may want to bring in a guy like McKinley for depth because after Garrett and Clowney,
1: there's not a lot of depth uh, at all. So uh, certainly proven depth there isn't. Well, that's right. So so I think when all shakes out, Winovich will probably be behind
2: Clowney, right? Or, or or Thomas will be behind Garrett. I don't think Weaver makes the roster. And, you know, there's a couple of these other guys. You know, Isaac Rochelle you know, he's a he's a tryout kind of guy. He's not making the roster. So, again, ends are fine. Starting ends are fine. Defensive tackles are weak. And, and I don't think they really have a solution
0: for that, to be honest with you. So they're going to throw bodies at it and hope they get by. Well, and again, all you need is, I mean, if one of these guys could step up on the edge – uh, then it's it's an option where, again, it might not be Clowney's favorite thing to do, but, I mean, if it gets to be dire enough inside, you can at least move Clowney inside. The fact that you have, you know, decent depth uh, out at the, the defensive end positions here, you may end up seeing that at some point just out of necessity if they need Clowney to fill a hole.
2: Yeah, you could do that and certainly put Winovich on the end mm-hmm. um, here and there. You don't want to do it. Play in and play out, and game in and game out. But right. you're right. Here and there, you can mix it up. And and look, I'm intrigued by Perian Winfrey. Right? Mm-hmm. I liked him coming out of Oklahoma. He was one of the players that I targeted on my little list of uh, players I was intrigued by, and I wanted them to draft. Mm-hmm. So I was thrilled when they grabbed him. So and, and where they
1: grabbed him, right? You know, there were a number of teams that had second round grades on him, right? So. Uh, you know, I, I think, you know, you and I like to talk about value. I think they got value in that
2: draft pick. Oh, they, they um, but again, he's a rookie. I don't want to expect much out of a defensive tackle rookie. Um, I expect him to play some. I expect every now and then to see a flash or something and go, ooh. But this isn't his year. This is him eating up some snaps this year. Um, look for, you know, hopefully he's he comes into his own, you know, next year. Uh, this year you're just really hoping that he's eating up some snaps and making a few plays in, in rotation but uh and Togi, he's another guy it's he's he's gonna have to show something or he won't be long for this roster either
0: yes he did not uh perform at the level that uh, some people were hoping for last year and some of that is the built-in uh you know inflation of expecting oh he's an ohio state player you got a lot of that with this fan base and people expecting that but uh, again, he didn't show much last year. He's going to have to keep showing something just because they're going to be turning over those roster spots if they're not getting production out of guys. I mean, you're, yeah, Winfrey is safe for a while, uh, but a lot of these other guys here, if they're not cutting the mustard, uh, you might see the team out there uh, making moves. And quite frankly, uh, defensive tackle at this moment, I would, would you agree with me that uh, if this team is going to make a move at the trade deadline, that might be the likeliest spot? I would think so. Yeah. I would think that if there is any move,
2: you know, even in late in training camp, they'll be looking at the waiver wire first and foremost on these defensive
1: tackles. Yeah. Now, look, I, they're not the only ones. Good defensive tackles are, are, you know, they're not just falling off of
2: trees. Right. So, you know, they will be looking. and But to your point, I mean, you know, they were 8-9 last year, so they'll be a little higher up the, the the pecking order on on, on grabbing uh, on grabbing somebody um, but you know they got two rookies back there that you know that that, that they've got you know they got roger perry out of illinois um, and they've got uh, the kid out of lsu uh, uh, logan Glenn logan
1: mm-hmm. uh, again another rookie three hundred pounds six
2: three so i mean we'll see i mean they got a couple of these guys they'll probably start to stash at least one of them on the practice squad but you know in terms of brian we're you know he's gonna start He's, he's played a bunch of, you know, he's a 2008 draft pick, uh, 2008, 2018, sorry, uh, out of Florida, played in the SEC. Um, you know, who knows?
0: Maybe maybe we can, you know, squeeze a little more juice out of that turnip. Yeah, and I know that they still have some hope for uh, Jordan Elliott as well, based on his pedigree. Uh, as far as the uh, defensive line goes here, uh, I just want to clarify no truth to the rumor out there. Alex Wright, he is no relation to the Alex Wright, Das Wunderkind Alex Wright from World Championship Wrestling in the nineties, the pretty boy German kid that would come out dancing to techno. He is no relation to this Alex Wright. Two separate guys yeah. here.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna go I'm gonna go ahead and I'm gonna go ahead and say no.
0: Um, yeah.
2: Especially since
1: this Alex Wright was born in
0: uh, the year two thousand. Yes. Uh, um, so yes. So uh, but
1: he certainly fits their profile mm-hmm. right he's
2: 270. Like, he fits the Miles Garrett, Jadavia, and Clowney. Physically, he's the
1: same guy, right? Right. So, you know, I I see why they like him. Metric-wise, he fits what they want
2: as an end. But he, you know, coming out of UAB, he needs developed. He hasn't played against NFL-quality tackles. Um, So it's going to be a steep learning curve for him. But again, he's that kind of player that you're developing,
1: good teams develop, that, you know, when they get to year three, you know he's replacing Jadavian Clowney, right? Right. Um, and, and so, uh, I, you know, he has that potential. It's now let's see if they can develop it. Physically, he's got all those
0: parts and pieces. He does athleticism. It's it's whether they can put it all together in terms of technique. If he comes in in any game, a home game, I guess we're talking about here, and gets a sack. I got to tell you, I will pop so hard if they start playing the old Dust Wunderkind techno theme music to celebrate the sack. That would be like, it would be like me and maybe five other people getting the reference, but I would laugh pretty hard if it happened. So uh, I just, can
2: assure you they won't, <laughs> because the, the 26-year-old running that will have no
0: idea what the hell you're talking about. Exactly, exactly. That, that 26-year-old needs to watch a little more classic uh, wrestling here, but uh As far as it goes with the defensive tackles, one of the worry spots here, I'm sure for Browns fans uh, this year, and I know enough people who still are, is that when you look at this historically, as far as the things that, that sort of scar the psyche over a period of time, people point to the most obvious thing, the level of quarterback play going back to Uh, I would call it the curse of Tim Couch when this uh, team and the crappy fans basically ran him out of town here and Butch Davis and everyone, but whatever you want to ascribe it to uh, over a period of time. But one of the more underrated things here over a period of time that has been very jarring to Browns fans to watch, of course not in a good way, is the ability of teams just to run the ball at will. That has been a core uh, precept of this defense, if you will, over the last 22 years or however long, it is, and it just time and time again. And you have to think, particularly, Chris, if the offense gets to where you're thinking that it, it will, and it, it, it very well might, quite frankly, with Watson when he comes in for the last uh, half of the season, last half plus, then teams are going to be looking, uh, unless they have their own guy like Herbert or Burrow or somebody like that, they're going to be looking to try and extend drives on this team. And so that's going to be part of the game plan coming in, you would think, for a lot of teams here. So this is a thing here where the ability to have, for other teams to throw off the Browns' offense by extending drives and running right at these guys here. The Browns are fortunate they have a lot of athleticism in the linebacker core, which can help mitigate this a little bit here. But uh, if, if the middle of this line... Uh, is is not even an average middle of the line, which I kind of agree with you. It'd be asking a lot for that to be the case. They could really pay the price on both sides of the ball if that is true.
2: Yeah, I think th- I think they could, and I also I just think that we had probably
1: subpar tackle play last year. Yep, no doubt. It didn't really cost didn't really cost us, and I think some of that's the scheme and the focus is on the linebackers,
2: mm-hmm. and, and that's where I would put our focus and why. The, 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 the D tackles. Their job is going to be to just keep guys off the linebackers, and then let the athletic linebackers make the plays. Right. So when we look at when we look at our linebackers, you know Jeremiah Uchomala, he is a star in the making. Mm-hmm. This guy last year, you saw his speed. Mm-hmm. He is like a torpedo. He is a tackling machine. Um his his form is outstanding. And he'll be playing in that, that will spot again. I, I think I think he is gonna become a star this year in this league. I think he is a stud. You and I loved the pick in the second round. Yes. Uh, um I think almost all the fans did. I mean most
1: fans were ecstatic when they moved up and grabbed him. And you know, it'll be interesting
2: to see in the preseason because we didn't get to see it last year because of injury you know, the guy backing him up in, the, in in that will spot is kind of a little bit of a poor man's JOK in Tony Fields out of West Virginia. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he's going to be the backup in that in that will. And then you're going to have uh, in the mic, obviously, and again, they aren't going to play a lot of free linebacker sets. It's going to be mostly two with an additional
1: safety. But, right. um, you know, for our purposes, we'll just kind of break down, uh, you know, Will, Will, Mike, and Sam.
2: And, and, you know, in the Mike, um, you're going to have Anthony Walker obviously starting with T- with Taki Taki backing him up. Um, I thought it was good to bring back Walker. He was just barely above average last year, um, but he was better than what we had the year before. Well, yes, definitely. Um, I, I love Walker from his leadership standpoint. You could tell the other young linebackers really gravitate to him. So just from a leadership standpoint and a guy who's seen it all, and who's kind of like a coach in the field, I thought that was a no-brainer to bring him back. Yes. Um, You know, and and, and again, Taki Taki, again, this may be his last year on the roster. I mean, he's not really shown us a lot. A few plays here and there, but he did enough to come back for them to bring him back, and um, he'll be backing up Walker um, at that Mike spot. And then I I, I remain excited, uh, and I'm probably, you know, you know, me and his mother are the only ones. You know, <laughs> I, I I loved the Jacob Phillips pick uh, at LSU in the, I think was the fourth round they took him. Yep. He is athletic as all get out. Again, when he's
1: healthy and you see the flashes, you go, oh my God. He's got to stay healthy and he's got to get on the damn field this year. He's right. got to
2: stay on there. Because I think, I think ideally what they really would like to have is Jok and Phillips the two linebackers on the field? Yep. Um, and those two guys are fast. They're they're rangy. They're tackling machines. And 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 I think that's ideally what they want in those two linebacker sets is those two guys on the field. But Phillips has got to stay healthy t- in order to have that up. And obviously, he's backed up by uh, Willie Harvey, who just somehow just keeps sticking around this roster whether it's practice squad active inactive he's he plays just well enough to just hang around the roster right you know right like, <laughs> it just seems like I don't know I, is it me I mean, it feels like it's been like four or five years that uh, uh, that he's been around but you know what actually I think it back this is his second season I, I feel like he's been yeah. I don't know why I feel like he's been around forever I, I feel like he's a guy who just when he gets a chance he makes a play and he and and he's just He's just hanging around the roster.
0: Yeah, well, you know, it's not that they've never had a deep linebacking room. So, you know, you have a chance for guys like that to stick at the margins. Now, when you look at these starters, even if you go three deep with the starters here, even if you include Walker, I mean, this is clearly still a top top five linebacking core in the league in terms of just athleticism. Uh, It has a chance to be a top five linebacking group overall. Uh, which is interesting because this regime historically has not prioritized linebacker as much as other positions, although I will admit the JOK selection did seem to represent something of a pivot in the philosophy there uh, as well. Uh, If this can actually be a top-five linebacking group in the league, which is possible, I don't know how likely it is, but if it's possible, that is one of the things here. When you're looking for indicators on either side of the ball— that could be that turbo boost to put this team in the playoffs. That's one of them right
2: there. That that is a hundred percent. I I think athletically, this linebacking core fits what the front office has wanted to build. Mm-hmm. Fast and sure tacklers. Yep. And to your point, the potential is there for a top five unit. Are they going to get there? Don't know. Yeah. Um, but athletically, to your point, they are as they are athletic as hell. So that's not going to be a problem of having slow, flat-footed linebackers. It's whether or not they develop in terms of understanding the game, being in the right position, making the right reads, and being where they need to be at the right moment. I think that's, again, back to why it was so important to bring Walker back, uh, because he helps those younger guys with that development. Absolutely. And and, and Walker's a guy that you can already see. When he ends his career... He's going to go right into coaching, right? And 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 when he ends his career five years later, we're going to see him as linebackers coach, you know, or some defensive coach somewhere on some team, pretty quick. Like I, I can tell, he's that kind of guy. Yeah. Um, so you know, I, I again to your point, top five athletically, you know, even with a guy like Sione Takitaki Taki, and Fields, these are athletic, fast guys. You know, it's whether they put it all together uh, and. and Perform so I, I feel fine about the you know about our our group. The only you know again the only issue is you know Walker's out right now with injury. Yep. Phillips's injury has had an injury history. Tony Fields missed all all but the last game I think with injury. That
0: that is to me is the big question mark on these guys. You know, they yep. going to stay healthy and stay on the field. If they do, I'm going to feel fine about it. Yeah. And again, uh, and JOK is not the biggest of guys too, so you you might have some injury concerns just from you know the durability of his physique. That is one of the things that caused him to drop in the draft. That's not a tangible concern about him, but just a thing of what could happen, you know, if he gets caught at, at the wrong point in a game. The secondary of this team is something that uh, a year ago I, I think was was disproportionately responsible for. When you look back and you think about uh, the disappointment of last season for Browns fans, it's easy to cue in on the on the quarterback play and everything like that, and why wouldn't you? Uh, but just the complete and utter embarrassment of looking like a CFL team against teams like uh, the Chargers and the Cardinals. Uh, that Cardinals game, and maybe it's because I'm friends with a Cardinals fan, but that's one of the most humiliating games I, I ever remember uh, seeing. And, and, and the defense was disproportionately responsible for it, this defensive secondary, uh, it just the, the embarrassment of the, the hole being nowhere near the sum of the parts. And uh, they, they played somewhat better down the stretch here, so there may be reason to think that uh, this season that will be uh, an upgrade over last year, but uh, if it's not, if it's a repeat of last year, this team doesn't make the playoffs. Uh, they have to get everything they can out of this here. You're looking at the starters. In all likelihood, you've got your corners of Ward and Newsom. Uh, so two first-round picks as your uh, cornerback starters, with second-rounder Greedy Williams uh, being a guy who will uh, spell them and probably be the third cornerback in a number of uh, circumstances here. Uh, Grant Delpit, uh, now a year removed from the Achilles, Surgery uh, came back okay, and uh, hopefully for his sake that uh, the year removed from it can help him even more. Uh, John Johnson out there, uh, he had, I think, kind of a disappointing year last year. A lot was expected out of him, and uh, there were some lapses. Uh, As far as behind that, it's pretty decent depth. Ronnie Harrison, who also had a season to forget in a lot of ways, and uh, Richard O'Count is a guy who has – uh, a pedigree that is very strong coming out of uh, Georgia. So there is an awful lot of talent here uh, in, in the secondary. So it's similar to the starting linebackers, at least. I, I, would, I would speak mostly of the starting linebackers when I'm talking about the talent. Here, even when you start to get to uh, an, an, you know, one or two of the backups at each position, you could say that there is a decent amount of talent. Uh, but uh, giving a return on investment this year I think it's one of the most critical things for this entire team because a repeat of the first half of last year, particularly in the games where you're going to have uh, the backup quarterback in there and you're going to need the defense to step up a little bit, if they can't do it, this team's doomed.
2: Yeah, I, I know your criticisms of the secondary are warranted. I think if you look at them last year as the season went on, they got better and better as a unit they got more cohesive. And I get with all the new bodies last year, those things tend to take time, the gelling, guys trusting each other, being in the right places, understanding how the other guys play. Um, I just think that that you saw as the year went on, they got more cohesive as a unit so that by the end of the season, it was night and day. They were playing much better uh, as a unit. Now, that said, uh, guys like Troy Hill underperformed in the slot, and so they said, see you later, we don't need you. Uh, I, I I will tell
1: you this. I, this is what I predict will happen. Ward, again, another guy, big contract, but again, dude, you, you got to stay on the field. I worry that, you know, he's going to be, be the perpetual yeah. starting You know,
2: he's going to be on the field for 12 games a year, guy, uh, which is probably why they went and drafted Martin Emerson Jr., because even though they gave Ward the big contract,
0: he has not shown an ability to stay on the field for a full season. Well, and concussions, having a concussion history is very troublesome. You don't know if he's one or two hits to the to the dome away from the whole thing being done.
2: Right. So, again, when Ward is out there and healthy, top five quarter co- cornerback. So I think we're set there. I actually don't think – I think your other starter on the outside is going to be Greedy Williams. Okay, interesting. Um he played pretty well there, and it seems like they are committed to moving Greg Newsom inside to take over for Troy Hill. Okay. You know, Newsom has, is super athletic and has shown some ability there. He actually graded out better in the slot than Troy Hill did last year, despite being a rookie who had never played the spot. So I actually think it's going to be greedy on the outside opposite ward with Newsom covering the slot and therefore covering. You know, for a lot of teams, they're their most dangerous wide receiver in some regards. Sure. Um, so, uh, I think that that actually bodes well if that if, if Williams continues to develop and stay healthy. I think we're fine on the outside moving Newsom into the into the slot again. That could end. They could end up being from one, two, three the best three, the best cornerback group in the league. Possible. Um, it's if, possible if they, if they hit their potential based on. Uh, what we've seen out of them so far in their careers. And when you talk safety, I... Uh, oh, and then, you know, throw Martin Emerson in, the kid that they drafted in the third round, their first pick this, this year. Look, I mean, he's tall, he's lanky, long arms, he's athletic, he could play outside, he could also play the slot. He's also a guy that they may rely on to cover some tight ends, because he'd be really good at that. So that's why I think they grabbed him. A.J. Green, the guy they, they, you know, they signed... Staff from the practice squad, they've developed him, they brought him up. He has improved
0: in he, his, in his, uh, you know, ever since they they drafted him. You've seen he's had some rough him. moments, dude. He's had some rough moments.
2: He has, but I've seen I've seen progress. So he's good roster depth, in my opinion, for for these for for one of these corner spots. Then you talk about safety. You know, Grant Delpit
1: is, you know, other than JOK, he is my, you know, DPJ of the defense.
2: I expect him to just blow up this year. I think we are finally going to see the Grant Delpit stud muffin that we have been waiting for. I think he's going to have a great year at safety. And with Ronnie Harrison backing him up with depth, I feel good about that sort of one-two in that spot. And then John Johnson, again, some of the struggles last year... New guys, new system. Johnson's trying to adjust. Uh, he got his grading according to PFF got better by you know towards the end of the year. So I just think with well, these guys all sort of back, and, and I think I look for Johnson to sort of resume steady play again in that free safety spot. And then, as you mentioned, LeCount, good pedigree. Again, he's going to make this team to back up Johnson. Uh, you know, Johnson the third backed up by LeCount the third. You know, again, depth. You got to have depth. Great teams have depth. And I think we've got it in the secondary. Um, I like this group. I like this unit. And I expect great things out of them this year. I really do. I think they're going to be a solid unit. And I was really impressed. Uh, you know, before last year, people talked about Joe Woods on the hot seat, blah, blah, blah. And they talked about his first year as DC. And you and I talked about it prior to last year's preview.
0: We were like, can we tone down the criticism of Joe Woods? Right, because the back seven
2: sucked. He was working with a lot of hot garbage his first year. Back seven was awful. it was terrible.
1: And and so I was just like, you know, can we lay off Joe? Like, we're not going to grade
2: him for what he had to work with. Um, I thought last year this defense
1: improved as the year went on. And to me, that's a sign of good coaching. And and
2: I, Rick, I believe the defense is a top ten defense. So...
1: That's what I expect this year. Well, I expect the top ten defense out of the, out of these guys, and, and and to me, it starts with those
2: those two ends, those bookends, and 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 Clowney and Garrett, and then it's that secondary. I think that is a really great secondary with a couple athletic linebackers, as we said, top five athletic in the league. I, I think this defense, again, most of these guys back system again in their second year in it. I, I think this is a top-ten defense with potential of
1: being, you know, fifth, sixth best defense in the league. Maybe maybe even a little better statistically. It's possible. Well, you know?
2: So when we talk about the offense needing to get that those points per game up to 30-31 a game, you know, if the defense can come in around that 20-21 holding teams down, then you know, the Browns are going to win games. They're just going to win games. So when I see, you know, clowns uh, like CBS Sports, you know, the guy on there predict, you know, oh, the Browns are going to go 6-11, and I go, how? They went 8-9 with a divided locker room and a broken-down, ineffective quarterback with a bad secondary that had to improve as the year went on, and they did. How do you expect them to go two games worse? I mean, are we kidding? That's not going to happen.
0: Well, I would hasten to say that prediction couldn't possibly have come from friend of the show, Dave Richard, the fantasy guy at CBS Sports. Had to be somebody else. <laughs> Dave, Dave yeah, Richard well, is smarter than you know, that.
1: I, I'm
2: fingering it, and to me, when I saw that, I just put the big old clown emoji on top of it.
0: Yeah, but that that sounds more like a Will. Now, Br- maybe in his defense, maybe he
2: was truly believing Watson out for the year, you know, or something like that. I don't
0: know. That might have been Will Brinson but, or Pete Prisco. They're they're a little more into the hot takes, so. It could have been one of those
2: yeah, guys. It, 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 well, clearly it was because I, I thought to myself, six and eleven. Yeah. My God, they had they had they had they had quarterback play that ranked like twenty eight thirtieth, twenty eighth, whatever yeah. in the league, and they went eight and nine.
0: <laughs> well, you know, I will say, I mean. As somebody, again, still emotionally invested at the time, I did in the first half of last season move into the fire Joe Woods camp. Again, they did, you know, quietly uh, improve in the second half of the year. Uh, Really, once it was kind of too late, that was when they seemed to play their best, which to me is a little bit sus in terms of uh, when you're at your best when the moments matter the least. But uh, I'll look at this and I'll say, uh, as far as, where I think they'll slot in in the league, uh, again picking a metric here whether it's DVOA or whatever, it, what just sort of a symbolic number. I'll say tenth best defense in the league because I think again there's still the question of the defensive tackles, and there's still a matter of is the secondary going to be as great as the sum of the parts? I think they're going to be closer than they were last year, but that to me those those are the big questions on the defense. Obviously, defensive tackles the biggest one. And then probably number two, even ahead of the linebackers, I would say. And the linebackers have been sort of perennially the number one or number two question. But I think, again, if this secondary can live up to its vast potential, I think that is now the second biggest question on this defense.
2: Yeah, I, I, I and I think they will. I don't, I don't right now. I'm not questioning the secondary. I think they're
1: solid. And and I'm and I feel like this year, if you can go, if you can rush the passer, which we can on the bookends. And you
2: can defend the back of the, you can defend the secondary, which I think we can with this with this group. Um, I think that makes us, you know, probably about the eighth. I'm going to conservatively say eighth best defense. Okay. Don't be shocked if somehow PFS has this. You know, PFF has us suddenly at like three, four or five. But you know, and again, so if you've got the eighth best defense and you end up with the eleventh best offense, aren't you a playoff team?
0: Well. You, you... It, again it's the afc so it's possible you miss the playoffs if that's the case but yeah i mean realistically even in the afc you probably are so that's what i think probably accounts for and the margins are so slim because if you're saying basically you know eight uh, defensively 10 or 11 offensively and i'm saying 13 offensively and like 10 defensively that would probably account for me having the Browns just slightly on the outside looking in and you having them in the playoffs, because those margins, as close as our numbers are to each other, therein likely lies the difference between being a playoff team and not.
2: I, I think that's exactly right. And, you know, the NFL has always been a razor-thin margin league, um, and you live and die in the margins. So yeah, um, I, I just
1: think that this is a team that's going to win at least 10 games. Um, you know,
2: and again, ten is the minimum to make the playoffs in the AFC. You probably need to win eleven to make it, and and I think they're going to be I think they're going to be right there. I think they're going to have a shot, and I think that with Watson, they're a team that if they are healthy and they get in, they sneak in in that six or seven slot. They're going to be the team that nobody wants to play. Well, yeah, because they'll be. I believe they'll be if they sneak in. That means they're trending in the right direction, and they've got their quarterback now. Um, and and so I I, kind of see them as that dangerous team that everyone will go, you know, I don't want any part of that.
0: Well, and it is one of these things, too, where I expect a tremendous push in the AFC uh, among the non-division winners. I I think one of the most coveted spots in the playoffs is going to be the number five seed because you've got, I believe it's Indianapolis. uh, Some people might still think Tennessee, but I think there's a big difference between whoever the division winner is there and the other three division winners. So the chance to go in and take one on the road. I mean, look at the way that uh, Tennessee crapped the bet as a number one seed for last year. That tells you all you need to know right there. So uh, if the Browns or anybody else can get up to the number five seed, uh, you're looking at, I think, the very likely scenario of actually being a favorite on the road.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, So, um, you know, for me, the Browns this year, it's all about trending better and better towards the end of the season. Survive with Brissett, get Watson back, stay healthy, you know, develop that chemistry and be peaking at the end of the year. A lot like what you saw out of the Bengals last year. Mm -hmm. You know, if you look at them statistically as the year went on, they were not that great, but they just, they trended right and they got hot at the end. And, And they started playing well at the end, and, and I thought that, you know, that's where you want to be, is, is, is and I think that that's, that's the trick for the Browns this year, is sort of working through the season towards that momentum, towards the end, Sne- find a way to sneak into the playoffs, and, and if they do, by that means that they have become a dangerous team at the end.
0: Right, I mean, the, the Bengals really kind of were like the 07 Colorado Rockies last year yeah. as far as how they uh, put it together to go on that final run. So we will see they how... Were,
2: they were 10 minutes away from winning the Super Bowl.
0: They were. They so were.
2: It's it's unbelievable.
0: Yeah, they were uh, very, very close indeed, and that's with uh, Joe Burrow having a, a shower curtain for an offensive line. So uh, imagine what they'll do this year. Uh, now, that they've actually put some uh, money into it, which is generally a foreign concept for Mike Brown, but... That's another topic for another day. You and I will be hitting that topic and many more, all 31, although I think we can go a little lighter on the Browns when we get to it when we do our divisional previews uh, here uh, in in the next couple of weeks, uh, as we traditionally do. And uh, we'll touch on the Browns, but I think we'll definitely throw up the old uh, thumb and say go back to 1502 and 1503 to hear our thoughts in depth on the Browns.
2: We'll gloss over Browns and say, yeah, exactly, go see. Go go, go listen to O2 and O three.
0: Yes, because what, whatever we say is not going to come close to the depth that we had here. A combined 90 minutes plus on this, on both sides of the ball. But that's the kind of depth that you get from the lounge, and specifically, of course, that pool of original dignitaries, you and I included here, Chris Galloway. So thank you so much for these, my friend, and uh, looking forward to the uh, divisional previews in the next couple of weeks.
2: Rick, it's always great to talk with you, um, and uh, thanks for everybody for listening.
0: All right, thanks, Chris, and thank you, everybody, for checking out FDH Lounge Mini Episode 1503.